Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. I am Sia Najad. That is Mike McClure. Hopefully you all are watching on YouTube. If not, you're listening to us in your feed. We're we're back. We were just here yesterday. We were talking about some DFS plays, some theory. We're back to talk about some main slate market inefficiencies. More on that in a second. Mike, how are you doing today? Uh, I am doing well, Sia. You know, I'm sweating baseball and tennis. My favorite thing in the world is day baseball, at least until we get to the NFL season, just because I I love having something to do during the afternoon in terms of finding an inefficiency, exploiting it, cashing tickets, love all that. So I'm doing well. Cash some baseball and tennis already today. Fired up to break down week one of the NFL season with you. Yeah, Mike, I know you actually hit that baseball play today. I was I was on that sort of text group, so good job on that. I thought I maybe had a chance at a first-round leader today. I, I post my first-round leaders on Sportsline like you post your picks there. I thought Sungjae maybe had a shot, but uh, one of my guys, Joaquin Neiman, looks like he's going to be the first-round leader. Unfortunately, I didn't have him this week, so I'm uh, early to the party on Joaquin, so, so no money there, but here we are. We want to talk about the main slate, but it's from a betting standpoint, but it's also from a DFS standpoint, so What we're going to have is we're going to have on the main slate, there's 13 games. We're going to have every single game up. One by one, we're going to go through them. And we're just going to talk about the total and the spread and see if we think that the total in particular is maybe off by a little bit. Maybe there's something to exploit from a DFS standpoint as we go through these games. So, Mike, I want to start with the one o'clock games, obviously. There's a lot of intrigue with those four o'clock games, but there's a lot to potentially exploit one way or the other in these one o'clock games, in my opinion. So let's start with the Ravens at the Jets. The Ravens are a seven point favorite. They're at New York. It's a 45 point total. I think most people think that totals maybe a little bit higher than expected. Uh, I think from a pace of play standpoint, this game is probably going to be in the average range, if not below average. While the Ravens did run a lot of plays last year in terms of plays per second, or excuse me, plays per minute. Um, or seconds per play is how it's usually uh, internalized. They were pretty. They were pretty slow. It, it, it doesn't really match up with the number of plays per game. So I think the pace is going to be pretty slow. I mean, we know the Ravens' offensive line is very good. We know they're going to run the ball. How are you feeling about this game from a total standpoint? The forty-five. Yeah, look, it's a tough number here. I do think it's a touch high. Like if you asked me, if you said, Mike, I need you to make a play on this game. I would play the under 45 uh, and I, I would stop at 43 and a half. I, I think the number should be 44. It'll be very interesting to see if that's where it kind of closes by the time this game starts. Uh, but you're dead on. Uh, I think that you're going to see a very slow pace of play in this game in general, especially if the Ravens follow what the, the spread 
dictates here. If they're up by one to two scores in this game early in the season here, I would expect a relatively conservative play call and game call from them. So I don't have a ton of interest in this game in DFS. Uh, You know, Lamar is one of the players that we have to say, you know, there's never a week that you can't play Lamar Jackson, right? You can always play Lamar Jackson. He's got two rushing touchdown upside legitimately every game. Every single opponent doesn't matter, right? So I think that you can still play him and also have some interest in the running back situation there just from a value standpoint and a game script standpoint. Um, But other than that, I don't know that you can get to a ton of plays and I don't think you're going to want to try and find a ton of plays in this game. Yeah, I know one play we speculated about, and we're going to need more information because we're still almost, well, we're still more than two weeks out from the Sunday slate. But Mike Davis, recall yesterday, was 4,400. And we don't exactly, we know Gus Edwards isn't playing week one, but we're not exactly sure what's going on with J.K. Dobbins or, for that matter, the guys behind Mike Davis, like Justice Hill. We don't know what type of rotation there's going to be. So there's conceivably value in Mike Davis. I think if you played Lamar, you wanted to take a shot there, just be a little contrarian. I, th- I think that certainly makes sense because we know Lamar can pile up yards. I, I don't mind a Lamar naked with like a, an Elijah Moore run back, something like that. But um, yeah, I, I happen to think the Ravens might roll in this one, by the way. But again, a seven point spread, it's week one. It's something we'll consider maybe uh, as we get closer to the actual start of the season. The next game I wanted to talk about the 49ers at the bears. I mean, this spe- so it's a seven point spread. It's a 42 point total. And by the way, for those of you listening and not watching, just know that we actually have these, these totals and these spreads up here on YouTube. You can subscribe. You can follow us on YouTube by just going to youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Um, this is a pretty big mismatch. We know the Bears have a pretty problematic offensive line. We know Justin Fields holds on to the ball a little bit too long. We know the Niners have a great front seven. They have a pretty good secondary. Uh, this is the type of game that could also get out of hand, in my opinion. I'm just curious from a total standpoint, it's 42. Anything you like here? I mean, this game's obviously a low total on the spectrum of things. Is it possible to squeeze in like a, like a Trey Lance or, or an Elijah Moore if he's good to go on day one? Look, it's possible. Um, I I don't think it's going to be super sneaky to the point where, and I don't think it's really a necessity in week one of the season. Uh, As far as the game itself here, 42, I I wouldn't be shocked that this one closes 41, 40 and a half even. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a game that I'll be looking to either have the live, I'll, I'll be watching and having live unders in this game. I'll be interested in a Chicago Bears team total under, isolating that side of the game as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as far as DFS goes, I have a lot of interest in this game, Hmm. but it's only going to come from the San Francisco 49ers defense. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that this is a very nice spot to play them in defense and special teams. Uh, I think that there there could be some very interesting situations here. I think they're going to be leading this game. I think that they're going to put a lot of pressure on fields, and I think he's going to find himself in some pretty negative game scripts that have really good opportunities to create turnovers in this game. So as on a betting perspective, it's unders all day for me, first quarter, first half, all the above, team total under on the Chicago Bears, and in DFS, I really like the 49ers defense. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm on the same page you are, and as much as I want to play like Darnell Mooney because I think maybe it's a negative game script for two to three quarters – 
I, I'm not even confident doing that because I really don't trust. Listen, this is a, one of the worst offensive lines. Justin Fields at this point in his careers is one of the lesser quarterbacks in the league out of the 32 by far. This is one of the worst wide receiver corps in the league, if not the worst, in my opinion. So th- everything is stacked up against you when you know that the Niners can also get a pass rush. You can beat them in the secondary if you have a good receiver core, if you have a good offensive line and quarterback. The Bears don't have any of those things. So I might have a lineup that has maybe Mooney on a run back with maybe even the San Francisco 49ers defense, but which I know sounds like a little odd, but that's certainly something you can do here because, you know, Niners defense scores a couple times. They're still passing the ball to guys like Darnell Mooney. So um, I agree with you that I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Niners defense because a lot of people will go for value. And that makes sense when it comes to defense, but that makes the 49ers all that more appealing because there's not going to be a lot of people wanting to pay for that defense. Uh, next game, Eagles at Lions. Now of the one o'clock games, I think, This is certainly the game that might get some shares of players on both sides of the ball. The Eagles are favored by four points. It's a 49-point total. I think the pace is likely to be, you know, average to maybe slightly above average uh, with both teams. The Eagles are kind of stacked, both the offensive line, uh, the defensive line, the the skill position players. And then you, you look on the Detroit side, their offensive line is pretty good. Their skill players are okay. And then you got Jared Goff back there. I, I wonder what you think about this total of 49 I'm leaning towards the under yeah it's getting to the point of leaning towards the under uh, and you know at Caesar Sportsbook here it's 48 and a half mm-hmm. I think that number is really really good where it's at um it's one where if you could give me 49 and a half which you know a little education on NFL totals uh if, if you're looking to take unders in the NFL a lot of the, in games like this a lot of the time you're going to be getting the best number at the close and not early. Uh, but the thing of note here, out of all the games on the NFL schedule in week one, this has by far had the most movement uh, in terms of the the price in the market. This thing opened around 46 or 46 and a half, mm-hmm. and it's moved up through to a pretty key number at 49 even. Um, at that point, I do start to think that you know it's incredibly efficient here. But what we got to talk about, this is going to be the third highest total on the slate now. Uh, Those two afternoon games we're going to talk about later. Everyone kind of knows that those are games to target. This one is is super interesting. The other thing that's working in its favor as well, it's a a game in a dome. We're not worried about elements. We're not worried about anything in that spot. Um, I just don't think it'll be sneaky because it'll be, it's like the lone early slate, it's the lone game early in the day where you can definitely start to grab players. Um, for me, it's you can always play Jalen Hurts. He's a lot like Omar Jackson. You're going to be able to play him. Like, if you tell me you want to play him, I'm not going to try and talk you out of it on any slate this season, right? He mm-hmm. just has that kind of upside, and this game we project to be so competitive. So I, I don't mind playing him. It's so early and so hard to say where we're going to be, uh, you know, two weeks from now with, with what kind of news can break at this point. But – it's him and it's it's Gainwell, um, assuming Sanders is out, things like that. I, I think that that's where my interest will lie. Uh, but I, I don't envision full game stacks. Yeah, I don't envision that either. I do think DeAndre Swift is likely to be pretty popular. I think people are going to think this is going to be a negative game script for the Detroit Lions, and he's just going to get the benefit of a lot of dump-offs and, and rushing attempts too, of course. So that's probably somebody I'm going to stay away from. But as we get closer, for everybody listening – Uh, you know, obviously we're still two weeks away. So once we get to the week before, you know how we do it. We have two episodes per week. Usually on Tuesdays, we have an early look at pricing and we have, uh, you know, reflections on our lineups from the week before. Obviously we won't have that 
for the first week. So we'll just be doing DFS content. But as everybody knows, typically on Thursdays, we have a deep dive. We go through every game. We go through every player that we think is relevant. And that game is going to be really interesting. Hopefully, by the time we do that second show of the week before the Sunday slate, we have an idea of where ownership might be going. And in that case, we'll kind of know whether to fade Jalen Hurts or DeAndre Swift, since right now we're kind of on the line uh, with the both of them. Colts at Texans is the next game. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this game. The, the pace is going to be slow here, and that's part of the reason the total is 44. I think the Colts are definitely going to be showcasing the run via Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, I just see it as, as a game to avoid other than on the Indianapolis side. Like we talked about yesterday, you can be a little contrarian and maybe go for a like a Pittman-Ryan stack or just play Pittman. Or you can just play Jonathan Taylor. The Texans are bad in the secondary, and they've got a bad front seven. So if you want to exploit them, I get it. But in terms of stacking up this game, you agree, Mike, probably not the game to do it. Yeah, it's definitely not the game to stack. Uh, now, the one thing that I will consider stacking in this spot, if you like Jonathan Taylor, I absolutely love the handcuff with the defense here. Um, I, mm -hmm. I think that those two are going to be pretty highly correlated in this game. Um, and, you know, if you watch a lot of you that have watched last year, thanks for tuning in again, obviously, you know, I like to not pay for defense very often because it's a great source of value in the middle and end of the season. At the beginning of the season, when we have so much value across the board and other players are still conditioned to jamming in cheap defenses, to jam in big names across the board, that leaves defenses like the 49ers, like the Indianapolis Colts in spots that they're going to be undervalued. And I like that they're on the road, not at home. You typically like to target defenses at home as well. Um, yeah, I have some interest in the Colts defense. I don't think you have to handcuff them with Jonathan Taylor, but if you're going to play Jonathan Taylor, I think that I would, I would recommend that you play the Indianapolis Colts defense in that same lineup. And again, those of you watching on YouTube, you can see, I don't know if I mentioned it, the, the spread in this game is the Colts are favored by eight and the total is uh, 44, certainly one of the lower totals uh, on the board. Let's talk about um, the Steelers and the Bengals. I think these teams are, are really intriguing week one from a spread and a, and a total standpoint, not so much necessarily from a DFS standpoint. The Steelers are six and a half point underdogs at Cincinnati. It's a 45 point total. Uh, both these teams generally operate at a, at a pretty slow pace. Um, the Steelers can get exposed through the air, however, so that makes it a little interesting for some of the dynamic pass catchers for Cincinnati. Um, I would imagine the Steelers try to establish the run more than anything, um, mostly because the Cincinnati secondary is, is pretty solid. So my lean here is the under of 45, by the way. I, I wonder what your lean is. I know I'm not asking you to make a play, but what your lean is. But from a DFS standpoint, I, this is a no play for me. Yeah, so this one's interesting to me. Um, man, what stands out to me still is Pickens. Uh, the mm -hmm. problem with Pickens is the the hype has been very real. It's not going to be terribly sneaky. Um, but I think out of all the scenarios here, like Pittsburgh getting down and having to throw is very, very likely in this game, uh, in my opinion. Um, he's just so cheap. We know Najee Harris can catch the ball in the backfield. We don't necessarily know how often that opportunity will present itself with the quarterback change. Uh, but I think that the game script that I'm kind of planning for and building for here, I actually have a little interest in the Pittsburgh Steelers side uh, with Najee and some of the pass catchers, just mm. because I, I do think that the volume is going to be there. Will they be high quality targets? Are they going to be efficient? I can't answer that at this point. I need, I need to see them in real competitive football games. 
Uh, but based on the price points and based on everything we're seeing here, I, I don't mind taking a chance. I mean, Najee Harris is $6,400. We've seen multiple games, again, with Big Ben, but we've seen multiple games where I want to try and pull up. What do you have, like seven? We saw a 19-target game, but we saw tons of games with seven-plus targets. If you're telling me someone that leads the NFL in touches, $6,400 in a neutral to trailing game script in a division game. By the way, division NFL opponents against the spread in week one hitting about 60, or I mean 76% of the time mm. against the spread. Uh, very interesting when you see this game because the general thought process is, I kind of like the Bengals minus six and a half. I think a lot of people think that against the Steelers. Very interesting, this thing hanging out six and a half, not the full seven getting to that key number at this point. Um, based on the market and everything I've seen here, I have quite a bit of interest in tournaments in the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a really interesting week one note about uh, division opponents. And, and I, I should mention that the, the Ravens-Jets game that we already went over, that's a division uh, opponent there with a seven-point spread. Colts at Texans, that's an eight-point spread, sometimes eight and a half or nine, depending on where you look. It still makes me love that Niners-Bears game even more, though, because that's not a division opponent. It's a seven-point spread. Yep. I could really see that one getting away. And frankly, I, I'm pretty certain that's going to tick up to seven and a half uh, before we get to kickoff. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, let's talk about... Let's talk about the Browns at the Panthers. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, the Browns at the Panthers next. Panthers are favored by one and a half. It's a 41 and a half point spread. I think the pace here is going to be average. You know, it's not going to be super high pace. It's not going to be super low pace necessarily. The Browns have a great defense up front and in the secondary. Carolina defense, it's getting better. Um, you've got Baker Mayfield. You've got Christian McCaffrey. Uh, let me talk to you about the total first. It's 41 and a half. Where are you, where are you leaning there? Yeah, so this one is super interesting. It's actually the only play that I've made already uh, in terms of the, on the betting side. Uh, I have already played the Carolina Panthers. I played them on the money line at minus 120. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I played them on the money line minus 120 quickly, minus one and a half in the NFL with a total this at this number basically translates to minus 129. So it's slightly better value playing them on the money line than the minus one and a half. Um, so that, that's why I played the money line and not the minus one and a half here. Uh, but look, I think that this is one of the revenge games that I care about. Um, I, I care about, I think it's a legitimate revenge game for Baker Mayfield. And the one time that I want to invest in the Carolina Panthers is when I know Christian McCaffrey is healthy. <laughs> yeah. I know that he's healthy heading into week one. I know that we've got DJ Moore. I know that we've got Robbie Anderson. I know that we have legitimate weapons that are healthy. I think that Baker Mayfield is fine at managing a game when he's set up for success. And I think they're going to set him up for success with very conservative game plan, getting creative, putting the football in the hands of Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. I think they do just enough to get this win on their home field. The home field advantage in this game is worth a good two and a half points for the Carolina Panthers. They will definitely be fired up, ready for this game. The entire fan base on both sides is obviously embracing Baker leaving or Baker coming over, everything going on there. Um, so I do like the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey, I would be very disappointed if he didn't have close to 25 touches in this game. Uh, I think it's going to happen. And I, I like him. I'm going to play him. It sounds to me, and I want to ask you a question. I'll put you on the spot again. It's two weeks out, so we have license to change our answer as we approach the season and get more information. But 
you can certainly jam in CMC and JT, Jonathan Taylor, in your lineups because of all the value that has already opened itself up week one. But my question for you is if you were to fade one of them, it sounds to me like if you're going to fade one of them, your opinion would be you're going to fade Jonathan Taylor. That's what it sounds like if you have to. It is. Uh, and, you know, Frank likes to say fade Jonathan Taylor at your own risk. Uh, and that's <laughs> what I'll be doing uh, likely in week one. Um, you know, and there's some other interesting ways to do it. I already talked about handcuffing Jonathan Taylor and the Colts defense. I might fade Jonathan Taylor and still play the Colts defense and then play McCaffrey. Uh, look, I just think the game's going to be more competitive. What we love about McCaffrey is a competitive game when he's healthy. He's an absolute usage monster. I don't expect that to change here with Baker Mayfield. And then on the other side, I think something that's not necessarily talked about enough, the quarterback change, right? For the Colts, Matt Ryan taking over there. Mm-hmm. He's a better quarterback. They might throw the football more. If they're in control winning the game, they might get him a few extra real game speed reps uh, as well with some of the receiving core. They might try some things in that game. Um, look, Jonathan Taylor is awesome. He got a ton of handoffs in the red zone. He always will. I don't expect that to necessarily change, but they've got a better quarterback in the red zone. Their play calling in the red zone, if it looked a little different in some of these games, it's not going to surprise me at all, right? So I'm more likely to fade Jonathan Taylor than Christian McCaffrey when McCaffrey's healthy. Yeah, it certainly makes sense. All right, let's go to the next game. But before we do that, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we are back with our game-by-game preview, just trying to identify main slate market inefficiencies. So we just talked about the Browns and the Panthers. Now we move to the Saints at the Falcons. Saints favored by five and a half. It's a 42-point total. Uh, This looks like another game that's going to operate at a pretty relatively slow pace. Um, Atlanta's defense is pretty bad. They're certainly not going to offer much resistance here. Uh, With that said, I'm just wondering – how do you like the total, and, and are there any DFS plays maybe on the, the Saints or even the Falcons side here? Yeah, so I, I lean towards the under here. Uh, it's not quite as strong as that Chicago Bears 49ers game, but it's somewhat similar here. Um, I, I lean towards the under. I lean towards the Atlanta Falcons team total under as well, uh, which naturally kind of gives me a little interest in the New Orleans Saints defense special teams. Um, as far as DFS plays in the game, like – you know, there, there's obviously players that are talented that, that you could talk about. I think there's so much unknown um, that th- there's not a real need for me to get anywhere in this game. So I, I'm going to say at this point, two weeks out, I, I'm not going to play anybody in this game. 
Yeah, I'm okay with that. And and I think we do need to hear a little bit more about Michael Thomas and what his status is and how that might relate to the other receivers. We think Alvin Kamara is going to play week one, or at least I do. Uh, And so, you know, he's a guy that's not getting talked about a lot against a bad defense and James coming back from injury. He certainly could be a safety valve in in the same way that we talked about Najee Harris and and Christian McCaffrey. So I think Kamara in particular is a guy to consider because most people are ignoring this game. But Given the pace and the total, it's certainly not something that that jumps out at us. I get that 100%. Let's move on, Mike, to the Patriots at the Dolphins down here in Miami. Dolphins are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a 44-and-a-half-point total, 44, depending on where you look. That Saints-Falcons game, for the record, 42, 42-and-a-half, depending on where you look. These things fluctuate, and it looks like that line is kicked up to 45. So the total in the Patriots-Dolphins game is 45 The Dolphins, interestingly, play at a slightly faster pace than people think. They were top 12 last year in seconds uh, per play and plays per game. Uh, Patriots, certainly slower than average. I I think this is going to be a Ramondre-Damian Harris game for the Patriots. And I can't really get – I can't really pin down what's going to happen on the Dolphins' side of the ball. Anything on the total here of 45 or on some DFS plays? Yeah, this one is, you know, look, we've said this a couple times. I, I don't think I can get anywhere in DFS. Uh, I think some of the names are overpriced. I think that we need to remember how good this Miami defense is and can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the Patriots want to run, which is fine because it's tough to throw on this Miami secondary anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I lean towards the under. Uh, I think the under in this game, the number should be 43 and a half. Um, 44 is a very key number uh, in the NFL. I would lean under here at 45. Um, you know, we don't recommend taking tons of teasers and other things like that, but this profiles as a game that I would potentially put in a teaser, bring that total all the way up to 51, potentially 51 and a half if you're finding 45 and a halfs out there in the market. Um, and going under uh, on a teaser leg, I think would be an interesting play. But as far as the DFS side, the, the running backs are going to be too expensive. There's not going to be, there's going to be high end guys we want. There's going to be value we want. I'm not playing the mid range there. And then, you know, do, do you want to take a chance on Tyreek Hill having a big game in his debut, breaking a couple? I think it's okay, but man, you could do a lot better for the salary that's required to do that. Certainly. Like if you want to get contrarian, there's other contrarian plays to make that are probably in, in better game scripts. Okay, the next game here. So we're still on the one o'clock games or actually this one might be we might finally have kicked up to the four o'clock games. I'll check. But it's the Jaguars at the Commanders. Uh, commanders are around a field goal favorite. It's a 44 point total. Um, listen, you, you mentioned Matt Ryan. So we got we got Carson Wentz here for the Commanders. Uh, I, I think the commander's defense is actually pretty good. I think their front seven is pretty good. Their secondary does have some gaps. I don't see a, a, a ton of really great fantasy plays here, especially when you consider the Washington side. There's such a proliferation at the receiver and running back position. It's hard to get a read on, on who to play. Jacksonville's a little more concentrated, in my opinion. You've got Etienne. You've got Christian Kirk as the number one receiver. All signs point to those two guys getting some volume. But is that enough in a 44-point total for you to take a look at any DFS plays here? It's really not because the problem with ETN is the $5,600 price tag. If that price tag was $4,600, uh, we become a lot more interested. Um, you know, the only play that I could really recommend two weeks out is the commander's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds weird saying that after telling you I wanted to play a running back on the other side. Though that's obviously not correlated really at all. But they're $2,500 at home playing against Trevor Lawrence here. 
Um, and their defense is not bad. You, you know, you have to throw on them to really go beat them. And, you know, making Trevor Lawrence throw the football down the field and hoping for success on the road to start the season, uh, I, I don't think it's the best environment for him to be put into. So if you're looking for that really cheap defense at 2500 while it's not necessary to go down that low in week one, if you find a build that you like that jams in some of those bigger names that you really want, uh, I think you could do worse than the commander's defense at that price point. Yeah, I agree. And for the record, that is a one o'clock game. It's the next game where we start getting into the four o'clock games. And I agree about the commander's defense, by the way, even without Chase Young, who, of course, is on pop, you know, recovering from a pretty, pretty catastrophic injury. Um, you know, he's not going to play the first four games, at least. I, I actually think that's going to get into maybe the six, seven, eight games range, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But that that defense didn't really take a step back when Chase Young went out last year. So I, I think they're OK, uh, particularly at that front seven. OK, here's where we get some super intrigue here. We've got the Raiders and the Chargers. Chargers favored by three and a half. It's a 51 and a half, oh, excuse me, a 52 point total. Um, listen, both of these teams operate at an above average pace of play, uh, seconds per play or in between play. That That's uh, something that they're, they're both sort of in the top 10, 12 of. The Chargers, they have a pretty good secondary, pretty good front seven. Raiders below average defense across all units. I'm curious where I think this is going to be an exciting DFS game. I'm I'm curious where where you see the over and where you see the DFS plays. Yeah, so I think the market's efficient on the total. Um, if we get above 52, like I, I do think this game can continue to rise. Like this, there's a wide range of outcomes here. This game could close between 51 and 53 and a half, in my opinion. I, I think we do see some movement one way or the other. I think a harder stance is taken by the market by the time this game starts, first of all. Um, if this thing gets to 53, 53 and a half somehow, I pretty strongly like the under in the game. Um, there's one pretty distinct advantage in the game, in my opinion. And I think it kind of, I mean, I shouldn't, it's hard to say this because the Raiders have, can generate some rush at times, but I, I think the Chargers offensive line, uh, I think they're going to be able to run the football a little bit in this game with Eckler. I think mm -hmm. they're going to try to. Uh, I think they're really going to try to dominate possession in this game. Um, I think the Chargers are a team that's going to be a lot like the Chiefs in years past, where you have to be careful with them, at least on the betting side, betting overs, because they're going to have these long, methodical drives that eat up half a quarter. Uh, and I think think that this profiles as a game where they can confidently and consistently kind of move the football down the field, but I don't necessarily think it's going to come in 40, 50, 60 yard plays. I think mm -hmm. it's going to be consistent moving the football down the field. That's where you need to be careful with betting overs. When you have a game with a total of 52 and above, you need drives that end in touchdowns. You, you mm -hmm. absolutely have to have touchdowns. I think that we see some field goals out of both of these units in the red zone. So I lean under at this point. I think there's a ton of great fantasy plays. I think one of the most interesting questions, though, is Austin Eckler versus Christian McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. um, that That's the question I think needs to be answered first about this game. Yeah, and, and we'll get creative with our, our lineup constructions when the time comes in, in, in a week and a half or so. But I, I do like the idea of maybe trying to fit in Austin Eckler with Christian McCaffrey, fading Jonathan Taylor, and sort of that's the piece you get from this Chargers game, Eckler, and then maybe something on the other side. Speaking of the other side, you know, it's interesting, the clock management that that you might be projecting for the Chargers maybe takes some air out of 
what I'm about to say, but I, I do think the Derek Carr stack is interesting because they are going to be pushing the ball in a negative game strip because I don't think their offensive line is going to allow much by way of consistent rushing. So a Derek Carr stack, whether you want to do it with Adams or maybe if Waller is healthy, obviously Hunter Renfro is in there, and then maybe bringing it back with Austin Eckler or maybe Eckler and a receiver, however you want to do that, probably just one, probably just Austin Eckler and it, for, for the case of this example. But the Derek Carr stack, is that something that's intriguing to you? It is. Uh, it's quite intriguing. I don't think it's going to be with Adams personally. Uh, right. I, I think that Adams is going to draw a ton of attention. Would I want to play Adams? You know, and it, I might, it might backfire on me. He might have a great week one with two touchdowns, and we never see him below eight thousand dollars the entire season. Uh, I think that there might be some growing pains a little bit there, and I think that we might see him at seven thousand dollars by week two or three. At that mm-hmm. point, that's when I'm going to become a lot more interested in investing. But at 8,100, considering the running backs that we have, knowing that we can play three of them with, with the flex spot, um, I, I'm not going to play Devontae Adams, and I'm way more interested in Renfro. All right. Well, you might not be way more interested in the following matchup. It's the New York football Giants and the Tennessee Titans. Titans are favored by five and a half at home. It is a 44-point total. Both teams operate at a – well, and I'm going by 2021, by the way, when I say operate at a slower pace, which I what I was about to say. But, um, you know, that slow pace it could be impacted. We, we know we have a new regime in New York, so maybe things are operating a little bit differently there. Uh, neither O-line is great for either of these teams. Um, neither front seven is great. Uh, again, I, I see a slow pace. I see a conservative game plan overall. I kind of like the under here, the under of 44. No DFS plays for me, Mike, at least at this point, other than maybe considering Saquon Barkley, who we talked about on yesterday's episode. And for those of you listening, make sure you go back and listen to some of our um, contemplation of some of these players. But I think Derrick Henry is interesting from a contrarian standpoint because he certainly could get loose. I don't think people are going to be paying much attention to him. But Barkley, Derrick Henry, the under, that's sort of where I'm at on this game. Yeah, I think that you can always play those running backs. Um, I also lean towards the under. Uh, I think one thing that's kind of fascinating about this game is the fact that the market is moving towards the Giants. Um, I think a lot of people fully expected this game to close at seven. Uh, it hit up; to close, it was at seven at one point. This thing's moved back down to five and a half. I think it could even close at five. Uh, I'm not sure if that's speaking highly of the Giants or really thinking Tennessee takes a step back this season, which is what I generally believe. I think yeah. that they kind of take a step back this season. Uh, but look, they're going to try and run the football with Derrick Henry. They, they just are. Uh, they, they lost A.J. Brown's playmaking ability. A.J. Brown saves or saved a ton of Tennessee Titans football drives over the last year or two there. He just did, right? I, I'm not interested here other than the under in this game. Um, to get over that number... The Giants are going to have to convert red zone opportunities into touchdowns, and I'm not confident that they can do that still. They're still playing on the road here in the spot, so give me the under two weeks out. Not interested in DFS. Yeah, and you know, for those of you that like Barkley, but you don't like him enough to play him in this game at Tennessee, maybe he has a subpar game and you're still getting the value in weeks two and weeks three. So something to keep in mind there. We got two games left. Both of them are intriguing. I'm going to save the Chiefs and Cardinals for last. Let's go to the Packers and the Vikings. The total there uh, is 48 Packers minus one and a half. 
Uh, listen, the, the Vikings above average pace of play, but the Packers certainly below average. They're one of the slower teams uh, in, in the market here. Vikings front seven below average. Green Bay has an above average offensive line. So you would think, at least I think, that especially with this young receiver core that you're going to have Green Bay really leaning on Aaron Jones, really leaning on A.J. Dillon, and not so much the young receivers or the, the slightly older receivers like your Randall Cobbs of the world. So uh, how are you feeling about this game from a total standpoint? And I do think it has some DFS intrigue. Where are you at on that? So total standpoint, believe it or not, I think this might be the first time I've said it all on any game. I, I kind of lean towards the over in this game. Mm. Uh, I think it turns into a pretty big shootout here. Yes, Aaron Rodgers and company, they don't play with the fastest pace. Um, Minnesota can help dictate that a little bit, especially if they're able to score. Um, but Rogers is typically pretty efficient. And I agree with you that the first piece that I, at least I say, I agree with you, you mentioned his name. The first piece I care about in this game is Aaron Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best tournament running back plays on the slate. Uh, there are two players that I've highlighted for tournaments this week or this week, week one that I absolutely love. It's Aaron Jones and Najee Harris, uh, because I think both of these guys are going to find themselves in very competitive football games with quarterbacks that might have to dump the football off to them eight to 10 times in these games. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I see here for Aaron Jones. I think he's heavily involved catching passes. I think we see him split out wide more often than not also, especially in competitive games. Um, Look, Aaron Rodgers is going to put the football in his hands. He's going to get creative. I like Aaron Jones a lot. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Aaron Jones, too. And we've talked about it in during our offseason series, which, again, I implore everybody to go back and listen to because a lot of it is evergreen content that you're really going to want to utilize uh, going into this DFS season, betting, too, actually. But Aaron Jones, without Devontae Adams, his usage, frankly, goes up. So if you're worried about the A.J. Dillon impact, I wouldn't really worry so much about it. And I, I would take advantage of the perception that, you know, most DFS players will have week one, especially the, the, the people that are not super locked in. They're going to say, oh, well, it's A.J. Dillon. It's Aaron Jones. Like, I don't even want to deal with that headache. Well, it's really not much of a headache as it pertains to Aaron Jones. So the Vikings, their defense just isn't that good. Their secondary, their front seven, you know, average to below average across the board there. So I think Green Bay, especially with the younger receiver core, we talked about Lazard yesterday. Lazard is a very, very intriguing play. If you want to stack this, if you want to skinny stack it or just get a piece, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on Lazard. And I think he's interesting. We'll get more information on that as we approach uh, the season. But I saved the best for last, Mike. Um, I, I am very intrigued by this game, but so is everybody else. So I don't know if I'm going to have as many shares as as other people. I don't know if, you know, this is the type of game where, you know, maybe you go overweight on a couple guys, but there's so many options, I'm not sure you have to. So while this game is popular, I think you can be invested in this game, and I think your roster construction can simply be different. It's the Chiefs at the Cardinals. The Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites. It's a 53-point total. Uh, listen, both are top five in, in seconds per play, uh, top 10 in plays per game uh, based on 221, uh, 2021. Uh, I think there's an argument that KC goes run heavy here, uh, at least relative to the rest of the season. We talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire yesterday. We talked about the young receiver core. I think this is a time for maybe Kansas City to like establish that perception, at least, that they are going to also be a running team. Whether that actually bears out is a different question. But against Arizona... In my opinion, Mike, you can afford to take that chance and really lean on the running game while your passing game matures with all the new pieces. As far as Arizona, 
I think James Conner is, is really, really interesting to me. Without DeAndre Hopkins, it's almost the same similar argument with the Aaron Jones without Devontae Adams situation. I think they're going to be leaning on Aaron jo- excuse me, James Conner quite a bit, particularly in this game. I think Zach Ertz is interesting. Not super interested in Marquise Brown yet or any of the other. Rondell Moore, I'm not super interested there quite yet, even though he's got a lot of value. The 53-point total, I want your opinion on that. And then, of course, just go into some of the DFS plays you think you like here. Yeah, so first of all, I I agree with you on the running game on Kansas City side. Uh, I like the under here. I, I The number that I have in my simulations at this point is 51, uh, is where the total should be in this one. Um, I, I do lean towards the under, though. I think that that number, like this game coming in at 45 points is not going to shock me at all. Like obviously the market's never going to move it there, of course mm-hmm. not. But mm-hmm. um, I expect Kansas City to not only try to run the football, but to have success. And the thing that w- we should talk about a little bit too with the absence of Tyreek Hill, I don't think that that's going to hurt Kansas City that much in terms of putting together scoring drives. What it is going to do is it is going to cut back on the number of huge chunk plays that they have. I think they're going to have to piece drives together a little bit more, which eats a lot more clock. Um, and again, when you have numbers this big, at 53, with the way that this team wants to play and James Conner on the other side, like you need drives that end with points. Like You can't have many drives that don't end in points the way that this Chiefs offense likes to operate. If you do, this game's going under. And I personally believe the game is going under here in this spot. So the issue with that is even if this game goes under and it scores 47 to 49 points, still has a ton of players in this game that score a lot of fantasy points. So I like Patrick Mahomes. I like the receivers. James Conner, absolutely love him as well. I think he's in for a pretty big workload in this game. Um, but as far as how many of these players I'm jamming in, I, I just I can't give you that answer two weeks out until I have our core value pieces across the board in place. Yeah, totally understand there. I think for me, I agree. That's my sentiment too. I don't really know who I'm playing in this game, but as of right now, I just really like the idea of Clyde Edwards-Alaire having potentially a breakout game, at least a breakout game for him relative to the the front end of his career. I think it's a really good time to maybe take a couple pieces from that game if you're not stacking it. And if you are going to do that, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of those pieces um, you should be taking. Listen, that, that's our early look at some potential main slate inefficiencies. Uh, we're back for two episodes next week. It's Mike McClure. It's Sina Jad. Well, it's, of course, Frank behind the scenes putting up everything on YouTube for us. Uh, all the hard work there. It's awesome. I really hope everybody is listening on YouTube because uh, you get to see a little bit more than, than maybe you're hearing on the podcast. But everybody, thank you for listening. We will be back next week as we inch ever so close to real regular season football. Uh, we got a showdown slate coming up first, right? We, we're going to have that Thursday night game. So we're, you, we know Mike McClure specializes in showdowns. So that Bills Rams game, we're going to have some DFS plays for that. And then of course, we're going to have DFS plays for the full slate. But before all of that, we'll be here next week for two episodes. We're back to two per week. We will see you next week, everyone. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.